Welcome to the Simple Programmer Podcast. Making complex programming simple and fast. With everything from career advice to philosophy. John Summers will show you everything you need. It's the Simple Programmer Podcast. Tired of pushy recruiters sending you LinkedIn requests for jobs you have no interest in? Tired of blasting out resumes into the dark? If so, you should check out Hired.com. Hired.com flips job searching on its head by having top employers like Facebook come to you after you fill out one simple application. You also get your own job coach to help you on your next job search. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend you at least fill out the application. Just go to Hired.com forward slash simple programmer. And when you get hired with Hired, you'll get double the normal sign-on bonus for using that link. Kobaton is the mobile device cloud platform you need to manage the devices you own and access the devices you want. From manual to automation testing, Kobaton empowers developers to build great products faster. Manage and access the devices you need. Test on hundreds of devices and configurations. Identify issues quickly. Automatically created activity logs allow you to identify and resolve issues faster. Start testing sooner. Compatibility with existing development tools decreases testing time. Real devices, better testing, faster time to market. Visit kobaton.com slash simpleprogrammer to sign up and start testing in minutes. Welcome to the Simple Programmer Podcast, a short mix of career advice, philosophy, and soft skills from successful author and software developer, John Sonmez. Hey, what's up? John Sanmez here from simpleprogrammer.com. And I got an interview for you today. Today, I am interviewing John Daniel Trask, who is actually the founder, one of the founders of Raygun.io. And it's uh, it's a platform I haven't actually used myself, but I know a lot of developers, I know a lot of you out there in the audience have used, and I've heard a lot of good things about it. And uh, and I thought it was just interesting to, to have John on here, or John Daniel on here, because he also has a lot of experience. He has over 25 years of software development experience. He's actually running a company and still doing some coding, uh, which is is definitely difficult to do. I I stopped doing coding when I started running Simple Programmer, so I, I don't know how he's doing it. And and just you know, the story. I know a lot of you are interested in in building a company and going and making the transition from software developer to entrepreneur. And so I thought this would just be interesting to, to talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the, the future trends. I think that, uh, that uh, John Daniel is also uh, m- more, more up to date on some of the, the existing trends that are, that are happening in the software development field uh, than, than I am because he's following that very closely. So, uh, so uh, welcome, uh, uh, John Daniel, uh, JD. It's, uh, it's, uh, Everybody it's calls me. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I'd just say me still programming as much to the uh, frustration of most of the team still at Reagan. <laughs> so <laughs> it's all right. I'm, I'm chief bug creator, um, and yeah, and and hacky code guy now. But uh, yeah, thanks very much for having me on, John. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. I'm glad to glad to have you here. So, um, so maybe if you want to give like a kind of a brief intro of 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 who you are and, and what you do, and then maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, about your story. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I'm the co-founder. Uh, so my, my business partner is a chap by the name of Jeremy Boyd. He's our CTO and a Microsoft Regional Director to boot. Uh, and we co-founded um, Raygun 
actually before we called it Raygun many years ago. Uh, and then we launched this product, which was a software crash reporting solution that we called Raygun. And it got um, really, really popular, which was really, really awesome to see. Uh, and then we sort of broadened out into uh, today, we, we sort of consider ourselves a full, what we call software intelligence platform, which is tracking everything your, your users are engaging with in your software, tracking the performance that they have, the experience they have, and tracking the software errors and building up a full sort of story around that with dashboards and alerting and all of that stuff. So it's really sort of helping software developers better understand um, the software that they have and making sure that their, their users are experiencing it how they intended to experience it. Um, so I'm now based in Seattle. Our company is actually headquartered in Wellington, New Zealand, which is why I have a bit of a funny accent. Um, but I've moved to Seattle to help build out our sales and uh, customer success teams over here. Um, so I've been been in America now for about a year and enjoying it, enjoying it over here. And as you mentioned, um, I still do a little bit of coding just to try and sort of keep the skills sharp and and play around with things in the weekend. But I don't, I don't tend to write too much code these days on the core Raygun product, much to the uh, benefit of our customers. Um, but I like, I, I love programming. I consider myself living at that intersection of sort of. Uh, basically software and business, you know, and I'm, I'm always trying to decide which street I want to be going down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a common, common problem. I think in a lot of developers face it's especially in their career, but it, it, it's kind of funny. Like it's, it's really hard to run a business, I think. And, and then, and still be, I, I, I know a few people that have had to give up the coding because they just couldn't do it. They couldn't run the business and, and, and do that. Yeah, and that that's definitely been a challenge. I sort of phased it out. We bootstrapped our business initially, and it was one of those ones where I'd I'd spend a certain period of time writing code, and then uh, slowly less and less um, of that time. To the point, like I say, now it's pretty rare that I that I actually write code. I do still review things like GitHub pull requests from time to time, and I really enjoy you know connecting with the team um, on that. In particular, I like uh, I'm big on software performance. Um, maybe it's a function of age where I sit there and kind of go, how do we have all these multi gigahertz boxes with <laughs> many gigs of RAM? And this stuff seems to go slower than when I had a 48625. Like, uh, so, I, you know, I'm, I, I like to bring a performance light to what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted, I, I do, that does boggle my mind today when I think about how, you know, especially when I, I've got, you know, got a new laptop here and I boot it up and I'm like, how is this? It doesn't feel like it's that much faster. I mean, the technology <laughs> so far, yet uh, yeah, we keep on needing beefier and beefier machines. I mean, will we ever get to that point where it's just going to be like, okay, you know, I, I'm trying to think of another industry where it's like, it just doesn't matter. We're, we've got so much power that like, you know, everything just runs instantly, but uh, we never got there yet. So always striving, always striving. Yep. It's just it's the gamers, it's the games. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I sort of, you know, I use a, um, it was one of those things to try and transition away from coding. I use a uh, MacBook uh, okay, Pro 13-inch okay. uh, for work. I find the 13-inch uh, machine is small enough that it kind of forces me just to focus on email. <laughs> just kind right, of my, yeah. I always say that, you know, the, the E and CEO stands for Chief Email Officer. Um but at home, I have, you know, the whole multi-monitor thing, the grunty PC, and it's got Visual Studio and all the crazy stuff in, in there and, and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, this was a, almost a forcing function to make sure that I focus just on business tasks. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. So um, so tell me a little bit about the story. Like, 
how did you make the transition and what, I mean, did you set out to create a company? Was that kind of your, your aspiration? Did this start off just as a side project and then, and it became something more or what, what was kind of the, the beginnings? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, um, I, I guess I was one of those weird kids that kind of knew what they wanted to do from a very early age. Uh, so I probably knew when I was about nine years old that I wanted to own and run a software company. Um, okay. I'd sort of started coding uh, when I was nine years old. Um, and to me, I use this analogy all the time, but to me it was like discovering a, a, a box of Lego bricks that had an infinite number of bricks. It was up to me on how the heck I was going to put it all together. And I, I, I liked that. I always liked the idea of being able to leverage technology to achieve more, to amplify your uh, your capability. And in a lot of ways, I see that as being the same in business. In business, you're sort of trying to bring together a group of people on a shared mission to achieve more than you could achieve yourself. So I kind of go, well, if I com- combine one level of amplification with another level of amplification, then that's it's a lot of amplification. Um, so I've always been on, on the on that intersection. My father, um, well, my parents, uh, they ran their own business from home. My aunties and uncles ran their own business. So it was always sort of in, in my blood to do it. Um, and then I, I took the traditional route and I went to university, got a degree. Um, you know, I started an, an IT services company in Wellington, New Zealand, where I met my now uh, business partner. Um, and, you know, his comment to me was even when they hired me and he was like, those guys considered you a flight risk from day one. No, <laughs> I, I, I was pretty upfront that I wanted to go do my own thing, but I also yeah. wanted to see how a normal business operated. Um, and, and I learned a hell of a lot there and met a lot of people in the industry, learned a lot more about professional software development. But I'd run a bunch of small businesses as side projects all through high school, uh, university and things like that. So, um the one we have today was was a lot more planned out than than the side projects. I see. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that it's kind of funny that a lot of I mean, but you know, a lot of companies are, are sometimes weary of hiring someone that has entrepreneurial. But but I always tell you know I always tell the, the developers that I talk to that like don't worry about that. Like find the company that wants to hire the entrepreneurs because that they know that. They may only have you for two or three years, but you're going to be working harder for them or doing more, you know, doing better things for them than than someone who's maybe a, a lifer that <laughs> that doesn't have that kind of motivation. So, uh, so I, you know, I, I I tend to tell developers, yeah, don't don't shy away from it. Just let them know your ambitions. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, at, at the business that I joined, which was called uh, Intergen, um, they they were still run by their their founders so the three three directors were the founders of the business and um that i think meant that they didn't they didn't shy away from it because they just saw in me exactly what they had themselves and i sort of you know setting up this office here in seattle and i've taken the same approach with bringing people in as i i always say we want people with an entrepreneurial mindset because especially when you're starting out or you're smaller you don't want people pigeonholed into you do x you know you need them to be saying, hang on a minute, we're not doing this part of the business very well. Or I thought this process wasn't working so well. Did you think about this? And, you know, I, I love that. Um, I, I can't imagine myself sur- surrounded by droids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so how did it, how did it start out then? How did you, so you said you planned out 
uh, this business, did you, and you bootstrapped it. So, um, so how did that work? How did you get your first customers? How did you come up with, uh, I mean, did you, did you have the idea and then, and then build from that idea? What did you have uh, an existing audience to be able to sell or market to? Yeah, we didn't have a, a particular audience, uh, well, none that was sort of of significance. Uh, we decided that my business partner and I wanted to sort of leave and and start a business. We wanted it to be a product business because, um, you know, in, in services, it was one of those cases where sometimes you'd really want to do the right thing, you know, yeah. uh, but budgets run out or, you know, it doesn't fit a timeline. And so building a product sort of felt more like we could bring more of a craft to what we were doing and be, uh, you know, control our own destiny. So what we did was we bootstrapped because basically we didn't have a whole lot of money. Um, I'd saved up enough money in, in the three years that I worked in the industry to make sure that I could afford to not take a salary for, I think I got to about 18 months of not needing a salary. Um, and we were quite fortunate, actually, that Microsoft New Zealand um, came to the party on literally day one. Uh, I mentioned my business partner's regional director, and so he had a great relationship with them. And so they actually gave us, from memory, it was about a quarter of a million dollar uh, contract to build out a um, sort of, quote unquote, best of breed uh, modern web application um, to try and demonstrate to developers worldwide how they should approach building modern web applications on the Microsoft stack. Oh, wow. um, and so without us actually planning to have that as, as effectively seed capital, um, that was a huge blessing on day one and helped us immensely. Um, and then with that capital, we then had the, um, the freedom, I guess, uh, to build out our first product, which was an object relational mapper um, called Lightspeed, um, and then built, you know, get our online store up and humming, um, which was which was great. So Microsoft was was hugely supportive um, of us and the, the genesis of our business, really. But uh, that's the hardest thing I think sometimes going into business is that um, it's so not exact. It's not mathematical. It's like, you know, some of these things come out of relationships or, you know, we even in sales here, you know, just had a customer yesterday who's like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to move on that colossal deal that we talked about in September that I, you know, <laughs> thought wasn't going anywhere. Those sorts of things, which um, it it can really test your nerves and commitment, you know, early on. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's how we kind of got started. Okay. Okay. And then, so you started with the, the the object relational mapper, and then, and then now the the current product that you have, the Raygun.io. I know I I know I'd seen the first iteration when you when you first came out with it. Uh, it w how did that transition go? Was that just another product that? Yeah. Initially, it was just another product, and and just before we keep keep going, um, because I know Nick on our marketing team is going to stab me if I don't correct it. Uh, we dropped the IO. Uh, so oh, it's just okay. Raygun now. It's all right. I still have all our swag that still has IO on it. Ah, okay. the retro, retro brand. So we actually bought the .com um, and we moved over to that. Um, okay. Raygun.io still works, but yeah, we, we dropped that. Um, so yeah, we built it as just another product, um, but yeah. something that we based on our experience back at Intergen, actually, where we kind of noticed that really good software developers would tend to write some code to send themselves emails when things went wrong with their software. I've um, done that. <laughs> yeah, well, there always seems to be two sets of software developers. And yeah. 
I was going to say this shouldn't sound like a criticism, but it is, which is some that want to know when something goes wrong so they can fix it. And then the other ones are like, the last thing I want to know is what's going wrong with my software. Um, and so, but the problem was is that if you just emailed yourself error messages or stack traces, inevitably you'd get a bunch of noise in there. You'd, you'd set up an inbox rule to send it to a folder. You'd slowly desensitize yourself to it because it was usually not active errors that you need to deal with. And suddenly you'd end up where you were missing, you know, the credit card system was failing and you, you didn't notice. So we kind of wanted to build a whole workflow around that for ourselves and uh, ended up building out the, the, the Raygun product to do that where, you know, you get a virtual inbox online, uh, we do error grouping. So you might have 10 million errors, but only actually have, say, 18 bugs. So you'll only deal with 18 right. things. We want to know how many users are affected. Just because one user has a shitty Chrome plugin that's spammed you with 10,000 errors doesn't mean that it's worth fixing. Um, when there's another error that maybe affects 500 users, but only occurred 500 times, um, you know, things like that, and give you all the context as a developer on how to fix things quickly. So we kind of built it for ourselves. We put it out there. We had tremendous interest from day one. And then a month after we launched it, people uh, started contacting us saying, hey, guys, do you want us to do a case study for you? We think this is this is fantastic. Um, and I was kind of like, well, you know, I've never had people contact us offering to do a case study. That seems pretty different normally you've got to try and put the legwork in yourself on that um so we kind of knew something was a bit different and then uh i think it was three to six months later a, a mid-sized u.s tech company tried to acquire the company um just because they wanted the raygun product um uh, yeah. we obviously turned that down but that sort of caused jeremy and i to sit bolt upright in our chairs and kind of go well you know, there seems to be something going on here. Maybe we should focus our efforts. And so we did. And then we added, like I say, real user performance monitoring. We have full mobile support. And, you know, I don't want to turn into a feature list, but, you know, it's a pretty mature platform now. It's been in market for several years, used yeah. by some massive companies. So, yeah, it's been – I have no doubt it's going to turn into one of those stories of the 10-year overnight success. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. How, how yeah. big are you guys now as far as, like, employees and – or big of the company? Uh, so we're at about 40 people um, oh, wow. now in the, in the business. Uh, we've just moved offices both in Seattle and in New Zealand to support probably a heat count of around 100. Um, and uh, things are still growing really well. We just we just had our strongest month of growth in, in February, um, which was great. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been a fun ride. And the the interesting thing for me is because it's a cloud-hosted service, we, we do provide an on-prem option, but nearly everybody's on the cloud one, is um, I mentioned I love software performance. Right. And so this has become one of those things where we deal with billions and billions of inbound messages every hour. And so suddenly, hey, maybe if I can shave 100 milliseconds off something, that can compound up to a pretty massive uh, win. And so... Um, I, I love talking with the team now about all the software performance optimization work that we can be putting in all over the place uh, to make sure that providing the services is done as uh, inexpensively as, as possible while being super reliable. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good opportunity there. That's uh, you get those opportunities of scale. Um, 
Yep. I was going to ask, uh, you know, maybe to, to shift things a little bit since uh, I kind of wanted to get your your kind of view. You know, you're probably doing some hiring too with software developers and and just uh, you know, have a pretty good pulse in the industry. What do, what do you think? What are your thoughts on on kind of software development, the, the future? Uh, I know there's a lot of fears. It, it's got, it seems like a kind of a strange fear to me, but of, of software developer jobs going away, <laughs> being automated away. Uh, I, I'm not so sure about that, but I don't know. What do you think about about where we're sitting right now? I guess in this in this field. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely don't think our jobs are going away in any hurry. Um, you know, I just read an article yesterday saying that uh, Facebook was going to down tools and rework their bot framework for Messenger. Uh, I haven't really used it, but the idea being that you can use Facebook Messenger to chat with a bot and ask it questions. And it's kind of like, and I don't know if you use things like Siri or Alexa, but they, given that they struggle to answer even some of the most basic questions, I'm not convinced that we're going to end up automating away software development in any hurry. Um, right. Or at the very least, if we do, I'm sure my business in terms of tracking software faults will skyrocket. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think we've got a long way to go on some of that. And I wouldn't worry about it. I would say um, that I think there's a lot of people in our industry that have that actually don't appreciate how wonderful things have been for software developers now for quite a long time. I mean, we had the the 2008 GFC certainly sort of impacted a lot of people, but we haven't really seen any massive downturn in the tech industry since the dot-com bubble burst. And, right. you know, when, when you sit there and you read on Hacker News and sites like that about people on these, they're actually on pretty significant salaries um and and that's not a bad thing i'm not saying we should bring them down but i don't think um uh, it's it's been good and people should appreciate the good times and they should stash a bit of their cash probably during those times um you know to, to make the most of when times might not be so good um i mean i remember being blown away and this is new zealand numbers but um you know, I think I started as a graduate software developer where I was just shy. My salary was just shy of the average household income in New Zealand, uh -huh. you know, yeah. and you're like, oh, actually, you're doing pretty well. So I don't think people should be super worried. I think they should just plan for a rainy day. Um, things can't go up and up forever, even though we try. Um, I would say... One of the things, and, and this this is not necessarily something for the audience to to be too maybe too concerned about. But I was chatting with a friend of mine recently who's he's in a management role of a software team, but was also a software developer, still codes, uh, but for fun. And we were sort of chatting, and I sort of said, I I somewhat feel like the new stuff around uh, machine learning and and uh, AI with things like TensorFlow and stuff like that. It could be that point where this is the boat I'm going to miss, and therefore my skill set is oh, yeah. going to be diminished in its value in its value in sort of five to ten years time because this is the first time I haven't actively had a need to personally learn the stuff and use it. So that's what I'm kind of playing around with at home. So I think as long as people keep their their skill set up to speed and um and whatnot, they'll they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, today too, like like you said, with the I haven't really looked in learn the machine learning and that that skill set and i think there's a whole bunch of the the ones that are coming out you know i mean i just heard someone just email me and said that they're working on embedded systems for drones and drone i was like oh yeah i guess that makes sense 
but uh, but we've kind of hit this point where there's like this explosion where you can't you can't really keep up to date on everything anymore. You used to be able to, right? I mean, sort of like you know, like ten years ago, you could you could kind of know like most keep your thumb on kind of everything that was going on. But I think today it's 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 pretty difficult. It's certainly become a super broad industry. I mean, I, I think it was in the late '90s, maybe. I remember reading somebody's thing where it's like, you know, I used to know every single Win32 API. You know, <laughs> it's like, man, you nobody nobody does that or knows that sort of stuff anymore. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. So just keeping your skills reasonably fresh and and looking for new ways of thinking about things. The the biggest challenge I usually find is uh, is actually applying the the filter for what to fat and what do I really need to get into, you know, for yeah. all I know, maybe this machine learning stuff is just going to like, you know, be worthless in five years time and there'll be a whole new breakthrough and you need to learn it that way. Um, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's funny about the win 32. Well, <laughs> you know, back in the day it was like, I used to do C plus plus development and, and it was like, to be a good developer, you you need to know the insides and outsides of everything in C and STL, and you're just like we're really good at it. And today, it's not that at all. Like having really deep knowledge in language is like useful, but it's not the defining characteristic to me. Like the defining characteristic today is to be able to integrate a bunch of different technologies and quickly learn things, because you don't have that. Like there's no point in mastering Win32 API or any thing to mm -hmm. that level because it's all changing and there's so much there's so many moving pieces now i i found but yeah no i i totally agree when i first got started um with uh i think it was dotnet 1.0 so mm -hmm. i m most of the time i code in c sharp these days if i am coding um but I remember getting the box, you know, back when software came in a box and being yeah. like, okay, I'm going to go through here. And I was like, oh, man, they've got a whole poster of the namespaces and the exactly. base class library. Better put that up on the wall. I'm going to need that guy. Um, you know, did not. Yeah. I did this at home too, and I can assure you that did not uh, spark the romance when you brought the ladies home. <laughs> be like, what's that poster? Well, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I started this project, same thing in, when .NET 1.0 came out. Right? I started this project and I opened, made this Visual Studio project and I was going through and I was going to use every single, uh, you know, every single object, every single function call, right, in the .NET, just to practice it so that I would know it all. <laughs> and just an example, how do you use this thing? And I, so I went through every namespace. I got like through maybe halfway through the entire .NET framework making example code for every single one. Um, yeah before I gave up on it. But uh, but it just seems now I look at it, I'm like that like if someone told me they were doing that, I would I would uh, <laughs> <laughs> So you're wasting your time. But, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> I was I was I was the king for for a little bit there. I had that you know it's like anyone could ask me anything about that framework and I was like, oh I know exactly how to use this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well see we I I blatantly steal a friend's joke for this, but you know, my my business partner Jeremy, he is just an absolute software uh wizard. Um, you know, and I always say, why did you become the CEO? And it's like because I was the I was the shittest coder out of the pier, so I drew the the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he 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 uh, yeah, he's a machine. He he likes things like getting on a plane and uh, not having Wi-Fi on the plane, so he can just code even more and not be distracted. And I'm like, man, if I didn't have the internet, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I can maybe I can maybe hash out a for loop or two for you. But uh, we're done there. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
Cool. So, um, so uh, I, I guess uh, you know, where where can people go if they want to find out more about about what you've got here with uh, with Raygun? Yeah. Uh, well, they can go to raygun.com. We have a free thirty day trial. Like I mentioned, it works with everything out there, mobile and um, web and back end and all of that good stuff. So, you know, uh, whenever I say that, I normally get somebody goes, "Oh yeah, well I write a COBOL app." Do you support COBOL? And it's like, oh, we don't support COBOL, but if there was enough demand, we would. We support about 20, 25 different languages and platforms today. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So there's quite a lot of coverage. Most of those are on GitHub as well, the the, the provider piece. Um, and so they can sign up, give it a whirl. It, seriously, it's one of those things that usually takes five to 10 minutes to get uh, set up. So it's uh, it's not a challenge to get get running. Okay, and then do they put? Uh, is it like instrumentation that they put into their code, or these your APIs in order to call it like instead of like kind of like how Elma that kind of thing? Yeah, so so we we provide an SDK. You integrate it in a few lines of code, um, and that's that gives you ninety nine percent of uh, what we do. There's some extra things like we can do deployment tracking. So if you've got things like say Octopus deploy set up. Um, and you're pushing builds out, you can ping our endpoint and that allows us to start telling you things like, hey, this uh, this new version that you have uh, has introduced these new errors and you've had these regressions and whatnot. So you can start telling the difference of the health between versions and deployments. Um, you can attach real user information. So if you wanted to understand who exactly of your users was having issues, um, you can you can do that with Raygun with a little bit of extra um, instrumentation. So we, we use Raygun to track Raygun, right? So like um, if somebody gets in touch with us and says, I've had this problem, we can just jump in, look up their account and be like, oh yeah, I can see you had this, uh, this 500 error like three minutes ago. Okay, cool. Well, software developer can fix that. And, in no time and push out another deployment which fixes it up for them so it sort of changes the whole dynamic so but generally speaking sub 10 minutes to sort of do the integration of the sdk and be up and running okay yeah that sounds good sounds like it's worth uh, worth taking a shot and, and trying it out i remember trying to code up something similar on my own when i was i was doing the same thing like you said with emailing myself so i got smart and created a database and started shooting the stuff there and then i was trying to match up stack traces and but you know it sounds like you've got that that already already going so this is kind of, i would have i would have loved to have this you know when i was still writing code about maybe six or seven years ago when i was trying to tackle this so yeah, no, it was one of those ones where I also wish it was uh, around. I mean, the the thing I like, and I'm sorry, this sounds sales pitchy, but um, it's just hearing from my you know fellow engineers who are like that. You know, we can't imagine not using a tool like this now in our stack. You know, and we get that sort of feedback every day, um, and and we rely heavily on it ourselves. You know, to to change our whole uh, way that we deliver software. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty valuable. Well, uh, well, thank you, JD. I appreciate you taking the time and appreciate your insights. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, you'll continue to grow and 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 hopefully to still be able to do a little bit of coding at least. <laughs> <laughs> I I hope to keep coding. Um, yeah, there's there's just so much cool stuff out there. Like I say, I still feel like I've got an 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 unlimited piece Lego set, which is just waiting for me to to tinker around with it. You know, so uh, I I love it. I love software. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well, thanks again, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Thanks very much for having me. Bye. Bye.
Hey, what's up? John here. Just wanted to make sure you aren't missing out. Only about half the content I put out is on this podcast. This podcast is created mostly from the audio from the YouTube videos I put out daily. When you get a chance, head on over to youtube.com forward slash simple programmer and click the subscribe button to get access to two to three new videos every day. Even if you prefer the audio format, make sure you subscribe at youtube.com forward slash simple programmer so you can check out what you might be missing.